Welcome to the Leave Your Ego at the Door podcast, featuring titans that you have never heard of, from the severely broken to the ultra-successful. These are people that you won't find trending on Twitter. Through this, my hope is to create a dialogue for people to share their stories and get the attention they need when they need it, all in the name of knowledge, learning, and empowerment. For you, the listener. Hey guys, so on this episode, episode three or two, I believe it's two or three, I don't know. But uh, we have a very passionately intense individual named Chad. He's going to share where he's from, what he's up to, and what he's doing right now, and any advice he's gleaned along the way. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Leave Your Ego at the Door podcast. Introductions to go pretty quickly. Today we have Chad on the on the podcast. It's just going to be a standard seven questions, but he's going to, he, he's already shared a little bit with me beforehand. So he's a pretty philosophical person, very deep. And he's just going to share a little bit about what he's been through, what he's up to and what his plans for the future are and any wisdom that he's might have gained in this lifetime. All right, so let's get started. So I've already introduced you a little bit, but question number one is what's your name and where are you from? Good afternoon, Christopher. Thanks for having me. My name is Chad Stevener. I, I'm the owner of United Aerial Vision, LLC. I'm currently located here in Central Florida, originally from New England. Awesome. Good to hear it. Good to hear that. All right. So uh, question number two is starting from the past with wherever you feel comfortable. What's your story? Uh, stories a lot can be long. Okay. Summarized up little bit of unorthodox, rough beginning, as with most self-made people, I guess. But I, I was a, a foster child. I was bounced around a lot from different foster homes and group homes. Lived in many different towns around Connecticut, primarily until I was 16. And then I signed myself out of DCF care. It was an option to do so as long as you can prove you had a job and had a established place to live and we're going to school and I was able to prove all those things. So I had my first apartment at 16 and paying my own bills. I'm working. And yeah, so I, uh, that's what's kind of the, it it prepared me for the entrepreneurial type mind, moving so many places, working on farms, working in the, in cities and dressing up in suits and ties and cubicles or dressing in blue jeans and being a plumber or construction or landscaper been a pool guy, walked dogs at a boarding house for animals, Uh, did a a little bit of everything, jack of all trades, master at very few. And yeah, and that's uh, now now I'm a uh, business owner and drone pilot and photographer. So so many hats. Nice. Can I ask what foster care is like, if you don't mind? Foster care is what you'd imagine it to be. Movies, they're Aladdin, the street rat, the the society kind of looking down upon foster kids and police officers. If there's any problems in the the town, everybody would want to blame the local foster kids. My experience was unique to me in that I was born and raised in a small town of Connecticut called Wallingford, Connecticut. It was a small little town, predominantly white, not too diverse in schools. I remember They had a bus that drove about an hour to New Haven, Connecticut, to pick up different minority children 
and bring them all the way an hour back just to start diversifying our school. That's how white of a town it was I grew up in. And my first foster home was in a, a section of New Haven called Fair Haven. So I went from being in a primarily white town to being the only white child in my first foster home. You had 14, 15, 16-year-old kids representing certain the ville, the tribe, the jungle, which were different uh, sects of New Haven, different gangs, if you will, that fought amongst. I, I got educated very quickly on. There's one person in particular, one of the first foster brothers, if you will, uh, that I remember. And he hardened you real quick. I, I was a little bit of a crybaby when I first got put in foster care. As you can imagine, different school, away from friends, away from parents, new bathtub for the first time. Everything that you know is completely different and cried myself to sleep. And you hear the stories about jail, fresh meat. And well, foster homes a lot like that. These kids that are, you're, they're in there for all sorts of reasons too. Whether they were problem kids, the parents couldn't handle them or the parents were addicts or in prisons. A lot of these foster kids feel like they have something to prove. So a lot of fighting, my first fights, first getting beat up, first time getting jumped, first time breaking the law, first time smoking marijuana and cigarettes and drinking alcohol at 12, 13 years old, stealing cigarette butts out of ashtrays, just to, the foster kids had a reputation, you know, in some of the areas I lived in. But then there was the times I was a foster kid in a, in a beautiful situation. I got for a little while, not quite adopted, like with legal papers, but there was somebody who had known of me that I had met when I was living in a, a rough foster home and I got, became friends with their daughter. And I had run away from a different foster home and put in juvenile hall because they had no foster homes for me at that age. And especially being a boy and a teenager, nobody wants that age or a boy. And when people are looking to adopt, they want babies, they want girls. When they see teenage boy, they think trouble, which make there is a lot. It is luck of the draw. But uh, foster, yeah, for, uh, so I did get to live with a very nice couple in a nice beach town. Uh, the first cr best Christmas of my life uh, as a child. First time getting Timberland boots. My first time having South Pole. Uh, no, it was North Face. North Face jacket with the down feathers on the inside. It was real nice. Our community had their own members only beach. So I got to live and taste complete con different contrast than the Fair Haven, which was the, the foster parents of, uh, of that one, they were rough. They hit the kids. I've been, they uh, kind of pass you out. There are ways of restraining kids. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind walls. Um, it's still to this day that people have no idea. Children have it tough in, in the foster care. I haven't heard too many good stories. It, it, the longer you're in it, the more the chances for something negative, I'm sure. But I don't want to sound pessimistic. I'm sure out there, there are like Annie's who get adopted by millionaires. <laughs> Hey, you know, just from listening to what you have to say, honestly, it's kind of inspiring to make me want to do a double take at certain situations in life, certain experiences. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I'm definitely a collector of wisdom. So I like to hear people's stories, what they've been through, what they've learned from it, and how that kind of molded them to be now. So I'm glad you're on the show. I'm glad you're sharing your story. And I'm glad you're bringing awareness to certain topics, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, it's this is my first time interviewing or being on a, a podcast, so it's a nice experience. I, I'm a collector of wisdom, but I, I'm more broadly a collector of experiences. Mm. Not just the good ones, neither. That that thrill of falling out of a plane and skydiving, maybe even that adrenaline rush of getting mugged, but in living through it to talk about it, 
and uh, experience, I feel like is everybody looks for that big philosophical, what is the meaning of life? And really, other than collect experiences, there really isn't much more you could say about it. You know, whether it be traveling, tasting foods, working jobs, just collect as many experiences as possible. Read as many books where you get to live other people's experiences too, you know? Yeah, no, that's brilliant. So that kind of leads me into my third question is now that we know a little bit about your past and your and your story and what you've been through, my third question is, what are you up to now? Well, now I've taken the Swiss Army knife of tool sets that my life has, uh, that I've accumulated, and I've been able to use them for things and create my own business. Adaptability is very important in life. And that is one thing, whether you learn it in the military or you learn it like I did through foster care. Bruce, or you learn it from Bruce Lee saying, be like water. When water is in the cup, it becomes the cup. When water is in a bowl, it becomes the bowl. Adaptability is one of the most important things. And it'll help you run a business as well. So, so where I'm at now, I'm a, I'm a photographer, I'm a pilot, I'm a business owner. Now a web designer. I, I just uh, created my first website for my business. Hopefully in the next few weeks, I will roof inspector, a certified roof inspector. And right now I'm trying to forge my own way, 100% reliant on myself and my own hands and my own getting up in the morning. Nobody else makes my schedule. Nobody tells me when to wake up. It's being in charge of your own inspiration. I think that's, that might be a reason why so much has changed. There is no passion or inspiration. Everybody's kind of being zombied out, you know, and everybody's in a state of survival at the same time too. So you have to be the zombie for the 40 hours a week and you do not want to gamble possibly losing the very tight funds you have right now. The, the sad truth is it's been said by successful people for eons. It's in every self-help book. It's you got to take risks in life. Nobody playing it safe, playing it too safe ends in a very dull and regretful life. So, and that's tough to say right now because we're currently in an economical state like seen by nobody else uh, in decades. So taking that risk is a little riskier, but I've done it. I did it right now. I started my business the first day of August. So uh, we're going into, we're finishing our second month now and it it is a learning curve. Yes, that's where I'm at now. (laughs) Okay, awesome. So it's a little bit of where you're at now. So now we're going to, we did the past, the present, and now we're going to look towards the future. So what are your plans well, for the future? <laughs> the future is, uh, who knows what the future has in store, right? It's more adapting, I'm sure. But the plan or the goals, I should say, uh, when it comes to the drone industry alone, it's kind of self-propelling itself. There's nothing I really have to do for its future. It's a a snowball that's already on a very steep mountain rolling downhill. It's looking to increase about $65 billion industry by 2025. The FAA every year is making it uh, more and more strict to be to get your license to become a drone pilot. It's just like you, you need to be trained and licensed and treat the airspace like a pilot would. You need to, it's not just flying a an RC plane, which a lot of people think, which th- there are some out there that are only a couple hundred dollars, but uh, there's there's a big industry g- uh, getting even bigger when it comes to roof inspecting or power line inspecting, solar panels, delivery systems. The, the, U- the United States government spends, I believe it's about 70 billion a year 
on on drones alone. And coincidentally, too, they're also responsible for the most amount of drone crashes as well. But uh, drone delivery is is a big up and coming thing as well. The power line inspections is something that I'm looking to get into in the next year or two. The reason why you save, there's one company in Connecticut, and it was saving them about $12 million a year to have one man and one drone cover a five-mile range of power lines, which would take a two-man crew all week long, making six figures a year to cover that same amount of span. So, And you're talking the drone guy, one eight to 10-hour shift. So uh, drones make things much quicker. Uh, roof inspecting, which is w- what I'm working on currently right now. The, the power line inspecting won't happen for another couple of years, but the roof inspecting I'm working on right now, clay roofs are really common here in Florida. You walk on those, you're breaking them. And not only that, but say it's a roof that you can step on depending on its steepness, its danger levels, and to say it's a safe roof, the amount of time it takes to walk around versus a drone, mm-hmm. three to five, maybe 10 minutes going around doing an orbit, then you can slow motion the video. I can zoom in. Uh, the drone I fly is 4K resolution, amazing zoom capabilities. It's the DJI Mavic 3 Cine. Uh, the Cine stands for cinematography. It's the best on the market right now when it comes to picture quality. But I am looking, You would, I would need a, a different one. The DJI brand is made in China. And to do government jobs here in the United States, there's a special list of drones and China's DJI is not on that list when it comes to saving and protecting data and information. So there's this uh, list called the the Blue SUS list. And I would need a a new drone. I'm right now shopping to see uh, which would be the best to utilize in, in that regard. But yeah. Awesome. So future. future plans, sticking with the drones, expanding into the drones and gonna, yeah, that sounds solid, man. And um, d- deliveries as well. Uh, in the future, I do want to partner hopefully with some pharmacies, a CVS or a Walgreens within three mile bubbles of most pharmacies is where you have a big condensation. It's very densely populated and I, nobody else has partnered with them yet to get deliveries out there. But most of the the weights of the items that you would get from pharmacies and not even just medications necessarily, but you know, your little soda popper, Snickers bars, things of this weight. I think there's good potential market value in jumping in that very soon in the future as well, because I, I feel that's where everybody's going to be moving. Everybody likes staying at home. People have grown due to COVID and other reasons. The less people have to move around, go to work, leave the house, you know, people will pay three times the value to have their Snickers bar and Mountain Dew brought to their house. It's true. I'm a victim of it myself. I had I used to have a sedentary lifestyle, but now I'm more active and I lost a pound this last week. So that's pretty solid. <laughs> oh, good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. All right. We've kind of talked about past, the present, the future. So my next question is, what is your message to our listeners? It could be anything. It could be about wisdom. It could be about your life experience. What would be the message? And if I could give a message to people, it would be... You are worth the, all the risk in the world to take on yourself. If you can start a business and work for yourself and share the money with yourself and not have somebody over you taking the bigger piece of the pie and you just get a slice, I'd say working for yourself, learning a skill, learning a trade and going out there and, and doing good hard work yourself, getting yourself out of bed in the morning, getting yourself out the door and doing your own work where you get to keep the majority of the profit yourself. 
that is the best, most freeing way to live. It is, it has helped me. I was depressed being an employee with the, especially the mindset that a lot of employers have of what is the least amount of money I can legally get away with paying you and also dueled with what is the most amount of work I can exploit out of you and then demean you. You know, I want you showing up at this time. I want you dressed like this. I don't like your, go in the bathroom and go fix your hair. Just the, it's way more freeing and it's closer to the way life is meant to be lived working for yourself. Life is not meant to be spending Monday through Friday from whatever in the morning to whatever at night, that time away from loved ones, that time not traveling, that time not eating food, that time drinking coffee so early in the morning, having life is not meant to be lived that way. It's unnatural. And, uh, and we make it more unnatural the way we humans are treating other humans and the risks people are taking out of there. And the, the benefits aren't really benefiting these days. The, the pay really just isn't cutting the bills anymore. And, and then on top of all that, then you get, you know, people getting power trips as supervisors or managers that had it rough, that had to do how much kissing butt to finally get there. And now that they got there, they're going to make other people do the kissing butt because that's what they had to do. It's a sick system. And uh, I th- if I could give anybody any advice, it'd be take care of you and yours, make your own umbrella. And at the end of the day, you have yourself to thank for it. Not like I am so thankful to my employer, if it wasn't for you, you know, I wouldn't have these things. No, yourself, you know, rely on yourself. You have a lot more capabilities than, than, than you give yourself credit for most of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, I can definitely see how the, it's like you work 20 years at a company and then give it off to other people. So how many of those horse stories have you heard, man, where some people, they work their whole entire lives and then right before retirement, they, they lose their pension or they, they go bankrupt and it's like their whole life. And you can't get that back. Life is the most precious currency you have. It's not your money. It's not your savings account. It's not your credit score. Nobody can give you time back. What you spend your time on, that's it. There's no refund on it. And you got to do it now. I'm fortunate enough. I'm kind of kicked myself in the butt. I'm 33 now. And I just started my official business though I've played around with different, you know, I've had my growing, my growth to get me here, of course. And it's the old adage, you know, if only I knew then what I know now. But now that I've been here, I'm telling you, it is not as complicated as you would think to start a business. It is not that hard to tell yourself some affirmations and get yourself out of bed in the morning and invest in yourself, whether it be learning something new and investing in your mind or investing in yourself time. It's, we're worth it. In the end of the day, we're all worth it. And it's better than having that regret. I feel like that's probably the most painful thing anybody will endure in their lifetime is being really too old at that point, you know, where it's like, oh, I wish I did this when I was younger. And now it's like, if I start a business, I'm 68. I never got to retire. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm still living from government paycheck to government. It's like, I wish I did this. Everybody should work for themselves again. Back in the time, back when we got the country good, everybody was farming for themselves, taking care of themselves. And that's when we got strongest. Right now, we have too many people latched on to the cow's udders. When the cow is being bled dry, there's no, you know, we're all sharing these little drops. I say, get yourself your own cow, you know, and then you can hook up other people onto udders if you want with your cow. But get off the, get off the main general public cow. Get out of Walmart. Get out of the gas station. Get out of your Dunkin' Dunkin' fast food chain. Get out. 
Get out work for yourself. Start your own burger joint. Start your own hair clipping. Cut your grass for yourself. These people that work for landscaping companies couldn't do it for just get along. Start. You you see kids starting with just a lawnmower. Even if you have to start making yourself nickels in the beginning, it's better than the pennies on the main cow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is that uh, it's definitely a curve. Like you said, it's a learning curve to go from the nickels to the dollars. You know what I mean? It can be, but but life in itself. But you're right. The you, only you the only time the only time life is not a learning curve is when you're zombied out and you're already so plugged in. You're just part of the the habit. You know, you're just. Yeah. So Otherwise, just living and always adapting, always growing, there's constantly learning curves, yeah. you know, and that's what makes life, it makes you valuable at the end of the day, it makes you a good conversationalist too, you know, the, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you can help too. If, all, if you own a pool company and all you know is pools, conversations are going to get pretty dull and boring after a couple of times of hanging out, you know, it, it doesn't hurt you to know how to fix your own dishwasher, how to do it yourself, more projects, how to yeah. do it yourself. That, that That's the word of advice. Do it yourself. <laughs> gotcha. I know for me, it's it's just finding that balance between how do I get the most out of my time and how do I not waste my time doing stupid stuff that I don't have to do or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like survival stuff and how do I find that balance between survival stuff and stuff that fulfills me, you know? Balance will always be what we should always be after moderation and everything yeah. balance of time spent with loved ones time with ourselves and our own introspection time working time volunteering doing good for the community just because not for the paycheck right now we don't even we're so bled so dry with time and finances that uh People got to beg for volunteers now at this point we got to send our high school kids or we got to send our prisoners for their community service it's only after a natural disaster, really, that you see neighbors helping neighbors again, you know, where it's like, hey, let me just do just because because it feels good to just, you know, the, to go to bed at night knowing you did something else for nothing. Yeah. It's, it's some of the best sleep you'll ever get. And the balance is I understand what you mean. And, and that should always be the goal, really, is balance and everything, spirituality yeah. and everything. All right. I mean, just to wrap up, where can our listeners find out more about you? I'll put it in the show notes, but where can we find out more about you? Okay. Well, I, I have my. Uh, I'd love to hear what everybody thinks of my my brand new website. I, I, uh, I it's www.unitedarialvision.com. That's United Ariel, not like the Little Mermaid, but like up in the sky. A E R I A L. Or I-E-L. Oh, man. And then I go and spell it I-E-L. Anyway. That's all right. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and everybody will reach out to you that hears this. But yeah, I guess I'm just about good. I mean, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, your experience. That was definitely intense. You know, definitely you're you're an intense person, you know, so it's good. I like I've been you. told that. Thank you. <laughs> I, it's because I, I'm so introverted. And there's so much. And I'm not yeah. good at small talk. Like, let's yeah. talk about the weather. Yeah. I don't watch sports. I don't talk about, you know, Miley Scott. You know, I'm not really big on the things that I deem as invaluable. But yeah. when it comes to, there's a lot to be passionate about in life, you know, and uh, it, it, I've never done, like I said, I've never done this before. It felt good to, you know, talk about some good stuff. So yeah. thank you for having me. Likewise. And Likewise. Uh, yeah, the time went by a lot quicker than I thought. I've been yeah. mentally, you know, yeah. over preparing and stressing yeah. out about it. But this was fun. I, I got, we got to do it again sometime. Okay. All right. So thank you for being on, man.